auspicious beginning to the new year. It feels wintry in here, but it feels warm. That's what it's like with these colors. It's like having a fire. It's like firelight or something, you know? It is. Remember when I was upstairs and no. I said, look at that. It's so beautiful. It no, was I don't because that. it looks like firelight. <laughs> is it? It does look like firelight, like reflected firelight and kind of all different kind of shades. This is really, right here, right now, is a great representation of what all these colors do together. It is indeed. And you even the orange of the, the heat dish. <laughs> right. Yeah, even the orange of the the space heater we've got going. Makes the guy want to say, It's 9.01 a.m. Saturday, January the 8th, 2022. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> what the heck? What note are you on? does look nice in here man it's already january 8th it uh, just was you like know, you know i i can't even it's not even it's not even worth talking about the quantum physics of the whole situation is completely out of control it's like you know <laughs> the governor has been removed there is no you know, i mean the throttle is stuck out the floor it's just <laughs> you know i can't even keep track it's strange, you know, it's like you, you talk to people and nobody knows what day it is. <laughs> you know? I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. <laughs> it's true. And then you tell them, it's January the ah, 8th. Ah, And they go, no, already? Go, okay. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It can't be, but it is. Oh, well. And, you know, it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine as well. Because that's how things go in this quantum physics uh, kind of modality of which we speak. You wish it was a hectic week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you saying it's been a rather slow week here? In, it's been a in, kind of uh, slow. And, you know, I was thinking about this week because um, in my job, Jan the first week of January is notoriously quiet because... The winter quarter has started, so you've done all the things for the winter quarter, and and it's just a different time of the year than the autumn quarter, you know. So there's this this feeling of of oh my gosh, I I have free time, and that is so unusual. Right. So it's been a slow weekend here in Lake Barbiturate. It is. <laughs> it's like Barbiturate, Diane. But the thing that was really great okay. about it is I was thinking... That was a good joke, and you just completely glossed over it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I resent that. Mm -hmm. Well, you me, interrupted It took me. me years to come up with that. <laughs> I just was thinking how, how I had had the first time of sort of feeling like this might be what retirement is like for oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that is... It was a lot more welcome to me than I thought. To not have something every minute of the day that I had to attend to. Right. So um, it was actually kind of wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I was upstairs writing this morning and I was thinking about how when I was, a, you know, long ago, if I was feeling troubled, 
I would climb a tree. You know? I think about sitting in a tree when I was a kid. That was like uber meditation time when I was a kid. Oh, I love to climb trees too. We had a great tree in our front yard. Yeah. Was it get did it get leafy so that when you were up there in the in the summertime nobody could see you? Yeah. Yeah. We had a couple of trees like that in our front yard too. We had these two red maple trees. And one of them was just this ideal climbing tree, and the other one not at all. The other one was it was just it was odd. It was like one was kind of symmetrical and nice and kind of, the branches kind of went out and then curved upward in a nice kind of way and there were all these great little perches that I had established in the tree and I tried to climb the other one and do the same thing in that one and it was just it just didn't want it it was like one tree was friendly the other one was you know it's fine but a little more standoffish yeah the the tree that I used to climb had a really nice little nook right. that you could just sit in and I used to take a book up there and read sometimes yeah. in the summer. Right. And I, you know, it's like uh, there were these trees on the UPS campus that Tim and I used to go and climb. They were amazing. They were like these old, old trees. And you may have seen them some, at some time. If I think around. I did. You know where the old fountain was on yeah. the back side of the campus? Right above there were these steps that went down to that old fountain and on the on the level above there was this little walkway between buildings and there were these two huge trees in there that were just wow. Well you and Tim took me on a tour of the whole Oh that's right. So we did show you the trees. I'm yeah. sure we did, yeah. It had to be part of that because we even drove around the old fountain, if I recall. That was so much fun. Yeah. I had a blast with it. And that was my idea, you know, to have you guys take me on a tour of our a tour of your of your town hmm. with the view of how you thought about it when you were kids right yeah okay well gee we digress don't we well i think the the major highlight for me this week yeah. well, a couple of highlights i always enjoy talking to my brother and right. i also have had a wonderful conversation with my colleague from ABC, who became a dear friend of mine, Chris, and he's moved to Iowa now. Right. So I had a great conversation with him yesterday. But the highlight really was watching Hamlet uh, by Kenneth Branagh. I had always wanted to see it, but it, it, uh, I had seen just a little bit of it. My brother had brought it over one time on the DVD when we had a family get together. Mm And we watched just the beginning of it, and I knew that it was uh, quite absorbing. But I kind of forgot about it, and also uh, it takes a great deal of commitment because it's it's four hours long. But since we've been so engaged with Shakespeare recently, I thought, I really want to watch that. and. Oh my gosh, that was so incredible. That's what the way we spent our New Year. Um, I mean, our New Year's Day, uh, we watched Hamlet. And the performances were incredible, but I had never realized how many of the quotes that you oh, yeah. hear from Shakespeare were from, from that play. play. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, no wonder that is seen as one of the masterpieces of... The English language. The English language. Yeah. But the way that it was done in his 
movie, it was like a thriller, a mystery. Yeah, it made uh, it, it, it's, it made it compelling in a way that, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, 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 what it was. I mean, I'm sure seeing it on, performed on stage would be the same experience. Well, it wasn't uh, for me. I mean, I, I saw it when I was in... Oh, because I'd never seen it performed in, uh, before. I went to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I actually fell asleep during the play so and they probably had cut some stuff out of it oh i'm sure they did <laughs> because uh kenneth Branagh is one of the the few that has done this in the its entire in, play yeah. the entire play but i think that that actually helped me to have the hot entire play because then i sort of realized you know that you're really getting a lot of clues throughout the right the piece about what's going on that's true but man, I mean, I I was, I was a little floored by how powerful that that production of it was to me. Yeah. And and once again, I you know I have to say, Kenneth Branagh is one of my heroes for making Shakespeare understandable to right. me. Right. And also, I have to say, for me, the cheats are really the thing. What one one time have been considered cheats, like turning on the, what's it called? Oh, the subtitles. The subtitles, yeah, having subtitles, uh, and being able to pause, and you know, talk and or get another cup of coffee or whatever, and not feel like you're you know you can't look away for even for a moment because it it really is that compelling. Yeah. You know to but I mean for someone who has always been a little daunted by Shakespeare's language anyway. It's nice to be able to read as you listen, one, and be able to stop if you feel like, wait, just like, give me a minute. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times yeah. the words are going by in such a way when you're seeing it performed live that you would love to just, so what did, exactly, what was, uh, what exactly did he say? What does that mean when he said, kind of thing? You know, and you want to, you want a minute. I've always wanted that. Well, and the the actors and actresses in this were uh, phenomenal. Uh, yes, everybody yeah. was wonderful in every way, to my mind. So, that was really my highlight of the week, and it and I just have found that between watching Dickens and Shakespeare, and I I'm just so in rhythm with that marvelous richness of language right. and um it yeah. has really filled me in a certain way because i was thinking about boredom recently right i was thinking uh about the fact that i mean quite frankly because of the uh, insurrection right. i was thinking how much of what goes on in the world is just because people were bored and wanted to be a hero in their own story, you know. And I don't feel the need to be a hero in my own story because I feel like I can dip into a million stories and experience a million sorts of uh, roles without having to live them out myself. Right. But, I mean, I think we all are the heroes of our own stories, whether we like it or not. It's just... I think, well, what the, I think the the problem comes when you feel the need to have others see you that way. Oh, uh, right. 
right? I think it's about how you feel that you are perceived in the world, not how you feel inside your own person. You know yeah, I mean? that's probably true. That's so, probably it. Yeah. But, but we live in a world where that's what it's all about. I mean, social media is about curating one's own presentation yeah. of themselves into the rest of the world. So we're all kind of creating these collages day to day anyway. And I sometimes feel like it's a clumsy process, and yet it's a, now it's a, the clumsiness is public. <laughs> well, as much as you want to be public, I guess. Yeah. Or but but I think we're sold a bill of goods wherein we feel that the only way to be real is to be public. Oh, right. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't feel that way. Maybe I maybe I'm <laughs> maybe I'm um, digging in, in Well, direction. I mean it's it's a a quandary to me too. That's a bit I just was thinking about that and um I found it so fascinating that I had this this thought that I had heard one time that a philosopher had said that boredom was sort of the root of all evil. Right. And it turned out that it was Soren Kierkegaard who who said that. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I've kind of I've missed boredom in a lot of ways. Well, that's what his point is is that I'm it's what you do with the boredom. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Um, hang on a sec. The full quote yeah. is, Boredom is the root of all evil. It is very curious that boredom, which itself has such a calm and state nature, can have such a capacity to initiate motion. The effect that boredom brings about is absolutely magical, but this effect is not one of attraction but repulsion. So he's ba- I believe that what he's saying is if you use the magical powers of boredom, you can create. But if you initiate motion through it, you know, like <laughs> I'm going to go out and storm the Capitol, <laughs> that, that's a repulsion. I and I believe that, uh, you know, I also have felt for a long time that one of the the great problems of our culture is that there's not enough boredom, that we are constantly keeping our minds agitated and, and um, stimulated, right. rather than allowing ourselves to just feel... Kind of placid, because that's where perspective comes. Right. Yeah. And uh, quite frankly, I have enjoyed this week that has been quiet... I have not tried to fill it all up with other things. And that is one of the things that started me thinking about how it will be when I don't have my job as the primary pushing, motivating factor. Because really, when you're in that state, you always are feeling pushed from an outside source. But when the the source is coming from within you, what will you do with your time? Right. I think what we fear before we stop the job is that without that sense of push, what will we have? Yeah. You know, we'll just be inert in some kind of way. But I would say that probably more than anyone I've ever known, Diane, you're going to enjoy retirement. <laughs> 
I don't fear. Oh. I don't have any fears whatsoever that you are going to uh, have a good life. And yeah. I will. I will. I will pledge. Pardon me. I'm having another drink of coffee. Right here, right now, in front of all these people. Both. You <laughs> boy. Both of these people. It's good coffee. That I will do whatever I can to make that happen. Well, I'm. Uh, I'm on your team, is what I'm saying. There's something about the pat, the reason why I even was thinking about this week of being quieter right. at work as being a, a prelude to retirement was because I've been feeling that when I crossed over the line into 2022, which is the year of my d- retirement, mm-hmm. that I would feel differently. And I do, because all of a sudden I feel like, man, six months... I mean, it's not even six months now. Nope. And that time, that period of time, as we all know, passes by in a flash. So um, now I just feel like I'm chomping at the bit, uh, that I'm, I have all these things that are uh, calling me that I want to participate in You've now. even got things planned now for the month of July. I when, do. When you won't be working at all. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like can... you've already got... Your calendar is filling up. <laughs> what the heck are you worrying about? I'm I'm not worrying <laughs> yeah, about it, but yeah. but my whole point being that I think that uh, boredom can be your friend or your enemy, yeah. and for me, I feel like it's my friend because um, when you are in that state of I don't have everything pulling me in in all sorts of different directions and you can say where are my focuses naturally lying and in a way I think that um, after one doesn't have everything pulling one in a million different directions and I'm saying it even from the standpoint of the pandemic you know you can't go out and just do 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 all these things in the world so how do you sit with yourself when you, what, what does your mind do when you can't be active to the same level as right. you are used to? And I've actually loved where my mind goes when I can't be as active. And it'll be really interesting to see when things start brightening up because they will, yeah. you know, everybody's saying maybe this will be the way it, I don't think so. I mean, I think that there are waves of, of these aspects in life always. Right, and there's so. nothing that will be the way it always is. That's right. Yeah, that never happens. Yeah, it never happens. We always fear it, but uh, or delight in it even, but it's never. Things do not stay the same. The primary I, ingredient in history is change. And I remember uh, reading in in uh, The Manticore by Robertson Davies. Mm-hmm. He had a, a passage where the, the main character of the story is relating the story of his life to a, a union therapist, actually. And he's talking about a period of time where he had a, a long-term illness. I think it was mononucleosis or something like that. And that he was not feeling horrible, but he had to stay in bed and he had to be outside of... Uh, couldn't mix with other people. Yeah. yeah. He had to sort of be more thoughtful. Yeah. And and the therapist was saying that 
there is a theory that when you have these illnesses that take you down but don't kill you, that it is your body trying to basically say, slow down, let me let me have some thought, let me have a breath here. Let me catch let, up. Let me think about what's happening, not just keep on doing. And when I see people so frightened by boredom that they must keep something going on, I always feel like, but you're not allowing your your spirit to catch up with the action of the the moment. So in a way, I somewhat feel like this pandemic is a way for us all, just like somebody had, I don't know who had the first idea to say it's sort of a time out, you know, yeah. go to your corner and think about what you're doing type of thing. Right. Um, maybe that is somewhat true. Yeah, I know? think it is. I mean, I think that's, that's that has been what's happening um, to a great degree. And I think it's led to, you know, some, some odd uh, kind of manifestations of what comes out of that, both the good side and the bad side of boredom. Well, and especially because when you think about the fact that many people have realized how interconnected we are because of this situation and it's it's just the truth yeah you know we are interconnected and and these are the times where you really find out how interconnected the whole world is that it doesn't matter you can't just shut off your country and say well we're good and now all the rest of you do whatever you're gonna do you know so yeah I don't know. There's a I, there's another level to all to this reality we're currently living in that is unavoidable in, in my thinking about it, and that is that it's it just seems like the coin of the realm is uh, getting attention, you know, drawing attention to yourself on Definitely. some level, and I think our last president was kind of the poster child of that kind yeah. of uh, of uh, currency. And I think there really is a sense that that is the currency right now because, you know, pretty much everybody on the planet is their own television station now. Yeah. You know, you can broadcast whatever you want to into the, what you perceive as the public sphere. But the public sphere is this, it's this vast, it's like this, uh, I don't know, it's like you, it's like one brain cell, uh, Broadcasting to about the uh, you know one millimeter out from where it sits, and you think that's the world, but it isn't. You know, I don't know. It's a strange time, but I I like the fact that we can communicate with each other in ways uh, that are immediately available. You know, anytime I want to, if you know, it's potentially anytime you want to have a conversation with anybody else on the planet. You can do it. You know? Well, I was even saying that with Chris when yeah. I was saw because when he was going to move from Seattle to Iowa, he he and I are really dear friends. So mm-hmm. he was he actually said that he ended up crying when they were leaving because of leaving me. Yeah. And I had told him, Chris, you know the thing that I have is knowledge that because he's much younger than I am. So um, I said. When my friend Kat moved to Chicago, we never lost our friendship. 
because as long as you can talk, right. that's all you need. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't need the physical presence, even though it's irreplaceable in many ways, but not essential to to keeping that that lovely connection that you have with people. And I think we've found that out more than ever during this period of time because people had to be creative in how they could communicate. And then all of a sudden when you were thinking about, well, we could use Zoom or whatever, then you start thinking, wait a minute, I have friends in Idaho. I have friends in Oregon. I have friends all over the... I can communicate with them now. And so we are in a and a wonderful generation. So. Right. I mean, it's like my friends, uh, Tim and Sherry Vernon, moved, just moved to Florida. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm used to having them around, you know. and But, I mean, they're still around. And uh, it's great. And, like, the when I think about the Westminster Basement Study Group, what the, the amazing conversations that we have had and, real, and having realized that, hey, we could be getting together. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. And well, and actually... especially the thing that's so funny about that, too, is that I have felt that what all these tools that we have at our disposal had led to is that you can find those friends that have similar interests, similar views of the world, because there I can't talk about Shakespeare to every friend that I have. Yeah. I can't talk about... Uh, Jung and Joseph Campbell and all these things. But when you find those people that you do have some connections with, you have the ability to communicate with them. Right. And that is really a cool thing. And if anybody ever listens to this and who is has never really delved into Shakespeare, if you watch a Shakespeare movie on your television with the subtitles turned on, it's a different experience. Oh, yeah. So if you've always been kind of reticent to even think about it, but but you're still kind of fascinated by the idea that Shakespeare is a name that you always hear and they supposedly is some kind of great writer or something, but you just have never been able to crack the code, I'll tell you, there are ways to do it. And when you do it, then you start to understand the, the, um, the reason why this guy is still talked about, oh, you man. know, five hundred some years after his death, you know. Well, and and quite frankly, uh, there are so many great productions of Shakespeare. One is coming out, yes. uh, or maybe it already is out. Uh, Macbeth know. with Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, yeah. and uh, directed by Joel Cohen. Yeah, and you have all these these films at your disposal and actually the Shakespeare uh, to it really does make a difference to see it acted but it needs to be acted by somebody that brings it alive for you right. and um, I just feel like if you feel like you can't understand Shakespeare just look up on YouTube Billy Crystal poor Yorick scene yes. in the Hamlet because yeah. That's a great scene. That is a great There's so scene. many great scenes in that movie. I mean, that movie, probably more than any movie I've watched in the last five years or so, has stayed with me all week. And I, I keep thinking back to it. And 
And there are just so many scenes. It's, a, it's like a series of set pieces, really. That's the way Kenneth Branagh uh, presents it, which makes it somehow more digestible, you know, because he's really, he changes locality. And so you have different frames that you're looking at. It's not just one stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for some reason, that does it too. It gives each uh, scene its own sense of vividness, you know. Uh, so I, I would encourage people to watch, you know, not necessarily Hamlet because that's a, that's a, that's like watching two football games back to back <laughs> or something. But, um, well, my first uh, introduction to him was Much Ado About Nothing, right? Which is a great film, also that has yeah. Denzel Washington and and uh, all kinds of people you'll recognize in it. Anyway, yeah. But anyway, uh, the music for today. Right. We, uh, you at first had another idea because you've got certain. I woke up with the with the Jethro Tull song "Cold Wind to Valhalla" on my in my head, and then I was thinking also about uh, one white duck zero to the power of ten equals nothing at all. One of my favorite songs ever. Yes, and because I just I heard Ian Anderson's voice, a young voice, in my head. And uh, he just, his vocalizing on those songs has just always been just amazing to me. So, But then I listened to him and I thought, eh, that's too, too something. Maybe, maybe even I was feeling like it's a little darker than I feel right now. Not that they're even dark songs, but I think the Cold Wind of Valhalla, you know, has kind of that spooky element to it. And I just didn't want to do spooky. And so... so Bill said, I'm going to, I'm going to renege on that. Can you come up with some music? And I had been thinking about this one song that we've played before, but it is such a perfect song yeah. for not only this time of year, but um, this time of history. Right. Um, and it's by a local artist who I deeply admire, Stanley Greenthal. Yeah. And I had heard it. it he was... Uh, one of my favorite artists back in the day in Victory Music. And he didn't often play at Victory Music because he lived on Lopez, I think it is. Up in the San Juan Islands. But they also have a Seattle place as well, so um, so he would come out when he was in the area. But we've often played his music because I'm just such a lover of his his presentation and and this music but when I had asked him if he had a digital version of songs for the journey which uh, I had only had in cassette and he sent me a CD of the master of that this song was one that actually caused me to weep I I just was like oh my god I'd forgotten about this song with Michal O'Donnell singing the the harmonies. Oh, gosh. And the other song that came to me was um, a song that Kat had posted on her Facebook page, a song that I've always loved, To Drive the Cold Winter Away. But this particular production of it uh, was just so beautifully done. Mm -hmm. And... It's by the New World Renaissance Band. 
and it's uh, I had never heard of them and I just love this this version and Kat had posted it saying that one of the the singer is one of her friends um, his name is Owen I want to say Fife P H Y F E and I just thought oh how gorgeous this is but we just had our our snow melt and I feel like it is a time where people do want to drive the cold winter away to a certain extent so but also you know embrace the boredom embrace the boredom because you know I've been thinking about like the treehouse concert how I'm kind of resting that right now and I think that's exactly what I'm doing I'm just kind of resting it because and it's you know it's connected with that sense you had of if you don't have the task that that you are uh, that you are bound to somehow what does that leave you you know and you know when I when I think about how I have done my musical life, I've always played a lot of gigs and played a lot of gigs, but then around the holidays, you know, because I don't do a holiday show, <laughs> right, or have any interest really to do a holiday-flavored show, I've always kind of taken a break from booking gigs and stuff like that in, over the holidays. And I'm just kind of realizing, because I, I keep thinking... God, what I'm, I'm losing my steam. I'm old. I'm burnt out. I got nothing more to say. You know, I've, I'm, all these things are going on in my head. And I'm, I'm realizing, no, Bill, this is a pattern in your creative life that has repeated and repeated. You need to see the pattern here, Bill. You and, need some fallow time. Right. I'm just, I'm just taking a little fallow time. And, you know, so what is the problem here, you know? I mean, I wrote two verses in a chorus the other day that are that will never see the light of day, because I just wanted to do something, you know. Yeah. And I, the number of times that I have done that in my life, you know, that's the thing that just went. Wait a minute, I was doing that. And I was thinking, wait, I have done this so many times. This is just, you know, a pattern that's repeating. I mean, wh- why do I think I've got nothing more to say when I'm just <laughs> in this time of trying to gather my thoughts for a minute? <laughs> Cut yourself some slack, Bill. You know what I mean? I do. Life. It's been lovely to talk to you all this morning. Yes. And I don't really, I'm not really that anxious, actually, when I think about it, to drive the cold winter away. But it's such a gorgeous song. It is a gorgeous song. When winter comes on weary And the days go short and dark And minds and hearts grow troubled And the fear lies in the breast When there's time enough for worries And the sighs come long and hard Time to listen with a feeling For the music in your heart Oh, the music in your heart Oh, the music in your heart It is there amidst your troubles It's the music in your heart Oh, some will eat and drink While others sit and wait For to pass away the hours While still waiting for a sign 
But the sign I know is given, I can hear it even yet. It's the sound of a heart singing, it's the music in your heart. Oh, the music in your heart, oh, the music in your heart. While the night wind comes a-calling, hear the music in your heart. Now the land outside is sleeping, with the growing season done, and the fruits of harvest gathered, now the winter's time has come. We will gather one another as we go along our ways For to give each one the song we bear, the music in our hearts Oh, the music in our hearts, oh, the music in our hearts for to bind us fast together with the music in our hearts. Oh, the music in our hearts, oh, the music in our hearts, casting light upon the darkness with the music in our hearts. Sit by the fire with friendly desire With others in love 